Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there with Good Morning Gahorns, two old bloggers. We're here today on Sunday. I had to bump out. From Saturday, on Sunday, to talk Minnesota Vikings. Today, we have three themes. First theme, we're looking at that competitive rebuild and the quest for the Lombardi. Second theme, we're looking at the what's happened in free agency over the last week. Who we've signed, how it affects the team. And it does on both sides of the ball. And thirdly, we wrap up our position group deep dive and deep thoughts this time on the special team right after this welcome to two old bloggers home of news and commentary for your minnesota vikings hey everybody welcome to a sunday version of two old bloggers look at darren over there Ah, repping the shades. What's up there, buddy? I'm trying to look like Linval Joseph after he <laughs> rumbled for that 75-yarder against Philly, and then he had, like, the oxygen mask. <laughs> yeah. Future so bright, Dave, with all these, these free agency signings by the Vikings, i got to wear shades. Okay, I got actually, you. I'm, I'm not, actually, I'm not going to wear them now, but uh, anyway, joke's over. Jokes over. Things are good. Good. Things are good. Over uh, over COVID. Thanks, Raymond, for asking. Uh, feeling uh, not that I was feeling terrible, but uh, I'm uh, almost a hundred percent recovered. I think. Good. Good. That's good to hear. Now let's start this show. Come over here to our awesome graphics slide presentation. If you want to call it that, I hate that. That sounds like PowerPoint. That puts PowerPoint puts people to sleep, but this will not put you to sleep. I guarantee it. First thing we wanted to talk about today was the, and he said it again this week, competitive rebuild. <laughs> I guess that answers. Uh, I was I've been watching a bit of uh, Mackie and Judd this week in their Purple Daily, and uh, they, that I guess that answers the question on that they were debating whether. Uh, Quasey just kind of winged that one and came up with competitive rebuild on the fly. But if he's using it, 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 it sounds to me like it was a conscious decision to use those that uh, those two words. Uh, and uh, yes, the competitive rebuild. They were probably focus <laughs> tested like any good politician that the GM has to be. <laughs> but yeah, but no. there is some theory behind it. You want to stay strong. You want to win games. But in the process, you want to rebuild at the same time. It's not as drastic. It's a uh, 
the new GM in Chicago's doing, Ryan Poles, but it, and it may look an awful like the exact same thing the previous administration did, but there's theory behind it that you keep these good players in while you have the opportunity to bring in some younger players through the draft and elsewhere, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, Vegas has this at nine wins. Which was is it nine now? Well, I I heard it was nine. It depends on it's either eight and a half or nine, which was eight and a half last year. So you're looking about the same thing. Yeah, I there. Yes, Quasi uh, coined this phrase last week, and and then it got picked up by lots of Viking fans because they're like, well, competitive rebuild. You know what exactly does that mean? Because if you you look at the Vikings' moves right now, like a, a rebuild suggests that. Because it's one of those things that's kind of saying either saying nothing or everything. But uh, when you're talking about rebuilding, you're thinking about like we talked about in the past: blow it all up. You get rid of a lot of high-priced vets, uh, clear ca- salary cap space. Maybe not this year, but for the next year and the year after, you try a lot of youngsters, uh, young guys that maybe weren't getting a chance at the positions that the vets had. You're not expecting to be competitive or compete for a playoff spot uh, at all in 2022 and you're and but the the good part of that or if it is really good is that uh because you're going to be crappy you're going to get high draft picks uh in in the 2023 draft so that's what a rebuild means to me you're gutting the roster and starting fresh and anew uh being competitive depending on what you how you consider competitive that really says well a lot of some people would turn that to be uh you're looking to compete for a lombardi trophy and I think the issue with the why fans and the media caught on to the old competitive rebuild phrase by Quasi is because really, the, at least in my view, the Vikings moves thus far suggest they're not really doing either. Uh, I don't think the moves they've done really makes them a Super Bowl contender. I think right now my gut is this is a 9-10 win team. If things go uh, if things go uh, a little bit better than expected, you you could be looking at an eleven, maybe even twelve win team. If things go a little bit worse, then you know it could be at seven Six, or eight. Seven, eight, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're not really so they're not rebuilding, but uh, because they haven't gutted the roster either. But I, I don't I don't think the, the the moves the Vikings have done they're defensible. Uh, I've liked a lot of them for the most part, particularly Zadarius Smith and the. Um, the move, uh, but I don't know if it moves the needle into. It certainly doesn't suggest that they're going to be terrible. They're going to be, but are they going to be competitive enough to, to get a Super Bowl? Uh, I don't think so. And David, I don't know how you feel about this. I think I know, but really, if you're a Vikings fan and you're this, as you say, this looks very similar to what we've been trying for a while now. The Vikings have made the playoffs and been a pretty good franchise for the past quarter century. They make the playoffs fairly regularly, a little bit less the last decade in a bit than we would like. Sometimes they even win a playoff game or two. But unless you're your age or somebody, you know, 50 and plus, you have not seen the Vikings do what we all want them to do. And that is win two to three playoff games get to the Super Bowl and have the opportunity to win a Lombardi. And I think that that's really where what Viking fans desperately want. And that's the problem with this competitive rebuild is it doesn't seem like we've really, 
you know, move the needle enough to either start anew and get there or make enough uh, impact moves to take what is a, a, you know, a decent to good roster and make it something better than that. Right. But I think what uh, they're trying to do this year is with, and you'll get into this, what the Wilfs have wanted. They're trying to make it so we get to the playoffs and then there's hope and hopefully we get lucky. I want to acknowledge Aaron, who's down here enjoying the mid-80 degree weather here in Texas, unlike you, where I'm sure it's probably uh, right around freezing. Yeah, well, I think it, today is around minus 10 Fahrenheit, something like that. Not <laughs> not the worst, but nice and sunny. But uh, I, I, I just, you know, like Mark Wilf had said it and his quote has been uh, – shown on and on in the past week about how we want to win the division and that's where we want to be and it gets us into the dance and then anything can happen from there and sometimes if like the the giants in 2007 that anything does happen but most of the time uh the ones that win the 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 lombardi trophy are one of those that are teams that are the first or second seed and get home field advantage don't have to play as many playoff games and and move on from there uh I think I think what they're hoping for is the new GM, the new coach, rookie coach, rookie coach with rookie coach mistakes. Um, however, they unlock the power that is Kirk Cousins, and that we get a a run, not just a Kirk Timber or a Kirk Tober, but that we get a Kirk season where he's playing at that high level always through. Builds up confidence. The rest of the team builds up confidence, and they can carry that confidence. And hopefully, on a brand new high and run, once they make the playoffs, aka like uh, Steelers have done, like the Giants have done, teams like that in the past that get in and then suddenly turn on fire. So, we'll yeah. see. I think that we will see, and I think that one of the uh, for Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa, uh, in this case, the competitive rebuild and what they've done is some. You, you know, their boss basically has directed them to do this. I think mm-hmm. they they've come in and said, "Listen, uh, guys, Quasi, Kevin, we don't want to tear this thing down completely. We think that we can get. We've got a good shot at it if you you tweak the roster and and make." the right moves plus with the new systems you're bringing in and getting more out of the players that, that we have here as opposed to getting less out of them, which is what I think the ownership feels happened the past two years. Right. And And, that's a leadership thing at that point in time. Can you motivate these gentlemen on the team to achieve one goal? That's the definition of leadership. Can these guys do it? Can Kevin O'Connell fresh off a Super Bowl win, being able to show his ring and go, Hey guys, you buy in, I'm going to get you there. If they buy that, yep. you know, all bets are off. Put put your $100 down on that nine nine wins and uh, go to the races. And so I there's some comments about, and uh, Judd Zolgag had made this on Purple Daily again, which I watched quite a bit, because he is, Judd is saying uh, that, the, the Wilfs are putting a lot of pressure on Kevin O'Connell to like win now. I don't know if I think that puts a, it does put pressure on him. He's going to have pressure, but I actually think that this year, the fact that, that Quasi and Kevin O'Connell are coming in, they're basically 
okay, we've been given a directive by our bosses. We or we can't tear it down. So we're going to try this strategy. Uh, I think they've got a year's grace. Uh, they're doing what their bosses have told them to do. They're going to play along with this, try their best. And they've got this year. And I think if it, if it works, great. But to them, if it doesn't work, then they've got I think they've got plan B in their mind, which is going back to the Wilson saying, hey, guys, you know, this run it back thing didn't really work. Uh, so let's try it this way, the other way. Uh, and I, I feel that that's why there's always pressure in, the, in Quasi and Kevin O'Connell's position to win. I mean, because that's the, the business that you're in to win. But I don't think this year, if things don't turn out the way the Wilfs hope, and even the way us fans hope, then what pressure really I don't it's not like they're gonna get fired. I don't right. Because like, they're not after yeah, one year. Not after one year. Not even if they go 0 and 17. I don't well maybe well, no, no, that may that may do it. But yeah. But but I say the team goes five and twelve or six and oh. eleven. Uh and I think that proves to them that that gives them the ammo to go in after the offseason saying, see Mark, see Ziggy, really we should have done this rebuild in 2022 instead of running it back. So now can we try it our way? I'm assuming that our way is the, the rebuild start anew. Uh, that, and, and, uh, it, the, the thing that'll suck about this, of course, is that, uh, if things don't go the way that we, we want, you know, the Vikings make the playoffs, have a successful season, make the NFC championship game, get into the Super Bowl, win it. Yay. 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 If that doesn't happen and, and we get a, like another seven and 11, eight and or seven and, 10, 8, and 9 season like we've had that we've we've delayed the rebuild a year, which would that would suck. Uh, and but, it'd be a few more years, you know. Hopefully yeah. I don't die before we get one. But yes. You won't. You won't, David. <laughs> um I'm predicting eight, eight, and one. <laughs> yeah, well that'll I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that, that'll, we'll that'll piss off. Yeah, uh, that would go quite well with Kirk's uh, career record for sure, uh, sure. right on the mark. <laughs> All right, but that's that's how I'm seeing how they're what's being thrown down with the competitive rebuild. A lot of and a lot of fans don't want to. They don't want to. They may say they want to rebuild, but they don't really want to rebuild. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, every year as a Vikings fan, you want to win, even if you don't think they're going to win. You want them to go. 12 right. You 12 want to go to the games right? and hope, you know, they beat the shit out of the, that team from Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I guarantee it. There was always, whether the Vikings were good or Vikings were bad, there was two ways I judged the team. First off, did they beat the Packers? Did they beat the Packers twice? And did they make it to the playoffs? Those were my levels of success. If they beat the, if they swept the Packers during the year and finished two and back in the day 14, at least I can say we beat the Packers. This time, if we go out and we whoop the Packers' butts and the rest of the division, they should be in good standing. And a lot of people online have already done the, hey, let's look at the quarterbacks they're playing thing. And when you look at that, Kirk comes out as the better quarterback in at least 10 of those games. So... It is quite possible to do that. Um, 
The only thing about uh, making, uh, looking, it happens every year. The only thing about looking at the schedule now and saying that's a win and that's a win and that's a win and that's a win is because just like the Bengals opening game last year, some of those games where the teams look like bottom feeders and should be an easy win for the Vikings halfway through the season when that team is having a better year than expected, it doesn't turn out that way. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the other, the, the reverse is also true. Some games that look tough end up not being tough for whatever reason. So it's always tough to kind of look into the crystal ball in March and April and say what the Vikings record is going to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was Aaron that brought up a little while ago that he thought, I know it was Thomas Fowler, that Zimmer and Kubiak gone equal two and a half plus Hmm. wins. There is the question of how much, you know, we're, we're talking about quarterback versus quarterback, which is, the initial start when you match up games, who's got the better quarterback, then you can start figuring out who should, and then you start adding in other elements. But how much PFF uses uh, expected wins over, right, um, and some of their stats, how much does a coach bring to the team? We know Zimmer brought some brilliant defensive schemes that probably won games where – uh, normal team wouldn't have won. We know that the dysfunction, however, especially over the last year, probably detracted, so the Vikings didn't make the playoffs. How much does Kevin O'Connell bring to the table? And his staff is yet to be known. Hopefully it's a lot. Um, we'll see. Yep. Can you have the Lafleur the effect on the Vikings this year? Exactly. Um all right, or um, let's move into free agents. Boop, wrong one. Yes. We're talking now, we're transitioning to topic two, free agency, what we've done in the last. Um, GMAC, you are 100% correct, but we've got what we got. Free agent signed this two, last Two one, more years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, the uh, yeah, yeah. We'll just smile and nod and <laughs> grit our teeth. But yeah. yes, free agency second wave continuing for the Vikings. Got no money, but they keep on signing all these guys. Actually, they have money now, but uh, they didn't. They didn't have money at the beginning of free agency. So, uh, but uh, we still are making moves. But are they good moves? We will see. Uh, the I guess the, the, the two, well, the three big ones in, in recently have been, and they're up there right now. P2, Patrick Peterson, signed to a one-year deal. You got Jesse Davis from the Dolphins, got signed. And then just, was it yesterday uh, or Friday? Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Reed. Chris, Chris Reed. Reed signed. The round and, belly uh, with the 62 on him. <laughs> ah, yeah, well, there. Offensive linemen, they're all round bellies. But I, I, I guess I want to hone in on the Patrick Peterson deal first. Okay. Uh, what I've seen has been um, overall, what we've seen is that this has been looked on as a sort of a favorable move for the Vikings. They obviously still had a lot of work and still do have a lot of work to do, I think, at corner and rounding out that position. They have done some, but they have made, addressed it at, with free agency with the Chandon Sullivan, with the Harrison. Uh, which is a pretty low-level signing, and then Patrick Peterson, who was a starter last year. Um, 
we, I, I think I said it last year, I was hoping that Peterson, when they signed him, realizing that he wasn't the Patrick Peterson from when he was 21 or 22, but that, uh, that he would provide a, you know, a very good locker room presence to a team that needed it, especially at the corner position. And I think that he did that last year. Uh, I think he's valuable that way as being a coach on the field. He's a professional. He knows how to take care of his body and how to, how to, how to train. And I think he's, he's a great resource for young corners like Cam Dantzler, uh, like Chris Boyd, like Harrison Hand, whatever their roles are going to be next year. Or even somebody like new kid Shannon from- Sullivan. Yep. Chandon Sullivan, I was about to say. Yeah. Chandon Sullivan's good, probably going to be our starting nickelback. And hey, if he can mentor, I look for I look for Pat P to be in the more of the mentorship role. He may start, but I look for him to be more in the mentorship role and bringing benefit that way. Being able to groom these guys like he did last year to uh um be able to build them up into a, a cohesive cornerback room that's knowing what they're doing. Now, your next point is Ed Donatell. Ed Donatell likes to play a lot of man. Yeah. And Patrick Peterson may be beyond that man, but more, you know, we could play different variations of zone, uh, match type stuff that uses that and he could still get uh, productivity out of it, but not have Patrick Peterson where he's got to mirror the best, you know, player across the field, which he can't anymore. So, Yeah. Peterson at 32 has probably lost three or four steps to what he was when he was younger. And, and uh, like you mentioned, I wasn't so, even though locker room wise, uh, the experience Patrick Peterson has, the, the his ability to be a coach on the field, mentor the young cornerbacks, like he said. And he's probably going to have another one to mentor when the Vikings pick a corner at number 12 <laughs> or number 15 or wherever they, 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 they pick. But that's all good. I Like I did say, I, for when Donatell talked in his opening presser about he was looking for corners that play man-to-man, Peterson does not seem like a good fit in that way. But like you said, and Green Bay did a pretty good job of this last year. Lots of like, um, I, f- I forget what the cloud coverages, I think or it was, or like disguising coverages where things look like man, but they're zone. Things look like zone, but then they're man. Right. Uh, I think that, that, that all teams try to do that, but they're, I think Donatello is going to bring that and try to bring that. And like you said, that, that way you can kind of mask some of the weaknesses that Patrick Peterson had. And even though I didn't, you know, Peterson was kind of quiet last year, I felt, in the backfield. There there weren't a lot of plays where he was, like, really beat badly either in a lot of games. So that could indicate that uh, what he's missing in maybe the old speed and quickness and stop start that he's – you know he's making up for it a bit up here in the old in the old noggin. Uh, so and the Vikings again the get getting Peterson. It does prevent them from having to depend on say right off the get go, depending on uh, uh, a rookie corner and rookie corners often struggle their first year, or depending on somebody like Chris Boyd or Harrison Hand having to play a lot of snaps. At least you've got Peterson as an insurance policy and. So in that way, with the, the holes that the Vikings have at corner, even with the moves that they have made in the past seven to ten days, it's not a bad signing, and it's a one-year deal, and the price is right. So I'm not mm-hmm. totally yeah. upset about it. And what did I say? 
Price would be right if it's about half, about four million. Guess what it was? Yeah. It was at four million. So yeah. that's where it tops out at. So it was it was perfect. It was a good thing. I think I think it's going to be a good thing for the locker room. I think it's going to be a good thing for whoever we draft. And I do believe we're drafting at least one corner, probably in the first round. And we'll go from there. It wasn't bad. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I just, I'm not overjoyed with the Peterson signing, but could have been. Speaking could have of overjoyed, you wanted Chris Boyd, did you not? <laughs> I wanted him like wanted him where? <laughs> well, actually, I didn't. I didn't want him cor- starting. I'll tell you that. <laughs> not a, not at um, um, corner, but at least he's a good punt gunner. I like that, and he's good on the special teams. But we'll get to the special teams later. So uh, we shall see. I wanted to stick that one in for you since you like him oh, so yes. much. Yeah. Well. I don't hate Boyd, but I just don't want him playing a lot as a corner. Special teams, yeah, he's a core special teamer, and he, he you know, he seems to do and that. He does just well, fine. except yeah, for when he gets know, excited that, that nobody's covering him, and he, and he jumps the line of scrimmage. Yes, on the yeah, fake. and then wipe, wipes out a big play. Yeah. Uh, All right, and now the, to the other two signings: round bellies, guys, round bellies that can play guard. You know, I titled the episode, but can he play guard? We signed two guys for that spot. Can they play guard? They can, and they have, uh, although Davis didn't, as I think everybody listening out here knows, Davis didn't play at guard last year. He was at tackle and failed miserably at it, which is why uh, the Miami Dolphin fans were so happy that we took Davis off of their hands. But as a guard (laughs) in the past, anyway, particularly at right guard, he's been, you know, serviceable, not bad, as uh, I think that's probably an accurate description for for Jesse Davis. So uh, getting him when he signed, I think that uh, initially looking at the other competition that was there, I was kind of saying, well, uh, Kevin O'Connell is was asked, and he said it's going to be competition. But really, it looked I kind of felt like Davis was the front runner or the right guard position. But then they signed Chris Reed, Reed. a couple of days ago, and now you've got all of these guys. Uh, you, you, you know, I, it's I, I think now For those I think who you, don't you were know. talking about this. Top, left or right, Oluyudo. They have uh, Schlotman, who's nothing more than a roster not even filler. Make the team. Right. Who knows? You have Chris Reed there from the, the Horseshoes. You have Davis from the Finns. And below, the one and only Mr. Invisible Wyatt Davis. Yes, indeed. So that, uh, with the signing Davis and Reed within a week, uh, that they've now set up a competition. I think for you know this is they've got quite a few options at right guard, but whether they're good options or, or not is is open to question. I think Reed uh, is like just looking at PFF grades, which you you've you've got like I think Reed looks like he he might be the the uh, he'd be my favorite for right guard right now, and Dave's just put up the the PFF grades uh, for various interior linemen 
the Vikings have now on the roster. And uh, now, mind you, this is pro football focused, so it's just their take on it. It's just one source, but it does give us some idea what these guys are looked at as far as how good or, or not good they are. And there you see the grades up there. Uh, I think big enough that everybody who's watching can read it right now. But the thing that, you know, the, the main thing about all these guys that might be, I, I feel the interior of the interior of the Vikings line is the big weakness. And, uh, but I feel that Ezra Cleveland, I'm pretty sure he'll be back at left guard. They'll give him another mm-hmm. shot. Sounds like all things being equal right now that, Garrett Bradbury is going to be the starting center for the Vikings come 2022 and the Rams, or I should say, I should say the Rams, but O'Connell and his staff are hoping that they can get, he will turn into this year's version of Brian Allen, who went from mm-hmm. pretty not very good center for the Rams to having a very good year last year. Uh, so right guard is really where I think the competition is going. And now we've got quite a few options there, but looking at all those grades of those dudes at the interior, the worrisome part of that is that the run blocking, they're all better run blocking than they are at pass blocking, uh, which is a problem because why David? <laughs> because Kirk Cousins needs a perfect pocket. Um, I'm hoping with the new offensive, new offensive set of coaches, specifically the offensive line coach, that they teach them the techniques that they need, get the guys going, get the, you know, the right leverage, the right hand placement, the right hand play, how to use um, a guy's momentum to take him out of the play, etc., so that they keep Kirk Cousins clean. Because Kirk Cousins does not help his linemen. He does not move to help them. Well, he needs, you know, that perfect seal them out type of play, Hopefully, some of these guys can improve and do just that. Uh, Aaron talks about the bull rush just a little while ago. Bradbury's susceptible to the bull rush. We know he gets forklifted often and put in Kirk's lap. Hopefully, with proper coaching, that minimizes that. Um, last year was an improvement, believe it or not. Um, but we shall see. If you want to look at those numbers... I've got a red asterisk by the number of snaps on Wyatt Davis because those were preseason snaps. The only time he took snaps at actually a guard, um, he did some snaps during special teams during the season, but not a guard. Those are snaps, and those are numbers when he was overweight and out of shape. Hopefully this year he comes in at weight and in shape and with a little tutelage, like I've said before, he's reported down here in Dallas working with an O-line coach and a trainer, that he comes in better. Because if you look at it there, he had his overall was 62, but his run blocking was 66.9. Pass blocking was a 40.3, which is miserable. Mm-hmm. But that's overweight and out of shape. And that's after, you know, that's in the preseason where he didn't get a whole lot of snaps. Hopefully there's promise there. What he's done in the offseason, what he's done now, that he's going to compete with Chris Reed because uh, nobody else on that list I see as a true competitor at guard. We got people talking about Oliudo. Oliudo should take the swing tackle spot. I like Oliudo. Oliudo's good in quite a few things. But when it comes to 
guard and especially pass blocking. When he got beat, he did the one thing that you're not supposed to do and get caught at, and that's he'd grab and he'd hold. Um, so Ole Udo can be your swing guy at tackles, and then you could have Jesse Davis, the swing guy at guard, as Chris Reed starts, or Wyatt Davis can show something, and hopefully he can. We want that to happen. We want somebody that we drafted to actually come up and make it. The kid was a two-time All-American at Ohio State. Let him show that. Let him take that next step and show that he belongs in the NFL, that he can dominate. Then I'm all fine. Let Chris Reed be the swing guard, right? That's cool. Now, mind you, we only have one center on the roster. Speaking of interior linemen, they might take one day two, maybe day three most likely. So don't be afraid to see that. The only other person on the team that's actually taking snaps uh, Wyatt Davis took a few, but that was just for golly. Let's see if he can snap. Is uh, uh, Austin Schlotman, I believe, is taking a few snaps. So we don't want that. We want we want good depth and good guys that can back these guys up. But I thought those numbers would help. And as of right now, if I had to make a starting O line, your starting O line is there at the bottom. Right tackle Brian O'Neill. Right guard, Chris Reed. Obviously, Bradbury at center because we don't have anybody else. And uh, then Ezra and Darisol. The the uh, think about the, the way the Vikings have gone at, after the the interior line in particular. David is a uh, um, you know open it opens up Quasi and Kevin O'Connell to to criticism because. Uh, you know, clearly hope for for better from him. I think he's shown that he's you know that he's he's got talent. Uh, it's just a matter of the, him getting bringing out the most in it. Bradbury, not optimistic, but whatever. But the right guard spot was just a real sore spot. And and uh, what the Vikings have done here is that they've they've got a bunch of options for this. But I don't really really like the options. I don't think a lot of people do. It looks like a lot of like okay to we don't know that's going to compete. At right guard, and and like you say, hopefully Wyatt Davis is the guy who emerges from that because uh, he's got the one with the, the you know the best resume at least coming out of college, a two time All American. Uh, but <clears throat> when the like uh, the Vikings, we we knew they had to address the interior offensive line, but uh, and we wanted them to, and they have, but maybe not in, but I don't think in the way that we would have liked, but. Uh, some team, some people, fans might look at it and say, "Well, look at the Bengals. They had big, big problems at offensive line, all over the offensive line. They almost got Joe Burrow killed last year, and they went out and addressed it in a big way. That's true, but I think for the Bengals and the Vikings, the their their needs were a bit different. Like Bengals' offensive line was an obvious." Uh, weakness that they had right. to address, but I think it was really the only real obvious weakness that they had. Whereas the Vikings, yeah, interior offensive line was a problem, but you had cornerback too, you had edge, you had linebacker, uh, and not as much money as the Bengals had to fix it. So, nor having a quarterback at, 
you know, the Bengals have a quarterback on a rookie contract. The Vikings do not. And that they makes it more difficult to fix that way. So, um, we shall see. You know, I, what, look, what, I look forward to this what, preseason to see what, to see the battle. What, what, yeah, yeah, and what position on the Vikings was the like the thirtieth, thirty first ranked in the NFL last year? It was the defense. Mm-hmm. So it's quite defensible with the limited resources that you had uh, to address it in free agency. That you would sign somebody like Zadarius Smith instead of somebody like Brad, you know, Sheriff, uh, right? So. <laughs> uh, we have ah, Drew. Thank you. I need to laugh. Yeah. So when you have multiple uh, multiple holes, even though Mark Wolf says we got all, all kinds of fantastic players, uh, when you have multiple holes, it's hard to fix them all in one season, especially when you don't have oodles of cap space to do so. Bingo. Yes. And uh, it was asked if uh, earlier, and you touched on it a bit, was asked if the Vikings might go for an interior offensive lineman in rounds one or two. I could see it in round two, maybe, if you get a corner in round one, one, but but not in round one. And and especially not at 12. Usually you're not picking guards that early in the draft. There's got to be a prodigal available at that if you're going that high and that there, there's none that i'm aware of however if you want to find out watch climbing a pocket on mondays where we have the real forno show and uh, that's your draft prep for the rest of the month he will tell you exactly is there a prodigal son at guard or center available in the first round all right here we go the guy the guy I actually want to win the competition. I think Chris Reed is it, but I want this guy to win. So, Me too, because we drafted him in the third round. And uh, like I say, two-time All-American. And if he was good at Ohio State, I don't see – or great at Ohio State at times, I don't see why he can't be great at the pros. Now, that doesn't happen to some players. Uh, and right. It happens never to players at college all the time yeah. that – Never make the transition, and not, and it is worrisome to see that the Vikings are bringing in all this competition at right guard, and not really great competition, and yet they got Wyatt Davis on a rookie contract, and they don't seem to be all that confident that he can get the job done. But uh, he's uh, supposedly working yeah. hard down in Dallas or somewhere, yeah. and this, he hasn't proved year. himself to the new to the new crew, so he's got to do that. So you know, step up, suck it up, you know, and just. You know, like all the stuff in the military, embrace it and go prove them wrong. That's all I can say to the kid. Why? I hope you do. Go, mm-hmm. you know, blow their minds at how good you are. Yes. Next yeah. is the best beer in Minnesota, Lake Monster. Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul is our partners on this show. We absolutely love them. I love their beer. Presently, I'm out. Empty, zero, zero balance, nada. I know Matt Lang, one of the brewmaster there, is working on a care package for me. Matt, if you're watching, I can't get here soon enough, buddy. <laughs> can't wait. Um, well, we're talking about the draft and who to draft. On day two of the draft, our live show, and if you've watched the last two weeks on Vikings Happy Hour on Wednesdays, um, we've been broadcasting live from the brewery. Day two 
of the draft will be live from the brewery in St. Paul with tons of giveaways, tons of great beer, and obviously good times and great Vikings talk where folks from the Minneapolis, St. Paul area can go in, watch with us as the Vikings build and find the next stars for the next decade that we can cheer on or we can boo and say, why the hell did you draft him? Anyways, <laughs> it's going to be a great time. And by giveaways, not only may they include merch like a hat, they probably include uh, gift certificates, which means translates to free beer. I'm all for free beer, maybe. Um, but the time is great. The people are wonderful. And the beer is outstanding. Best in Minnesota. So, Give it a shot then. Head down there if you're in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go. Position groups. We've got one left. Special teams, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Drew's saying there is a, a center. We can get later. Ben Brown. Off ben Brown, he's on, he is on the Ben Brown train. I can tell you that for sure. But, yes, special teams. We've gone through every position on the Vikings except special teams. Uh, Two-week delay on this one, but finally getting to it because we talked on some other important topics that uh, with so much going on with the Vikings and free agency and trades and trades we didn't make and moves we didn't make and moves we did make. So here we are finally getting to special Gotta teams. love the NFL. And yes, they know how to stretch things out the NFL. <laughs> but anyway, special teams. Uh, if uh, As a Viking fan, if you thought special teams, the Viking special teams in 2022 or t- sorry, 2021 was much better than in 2020, uh, there is some to support that you are correct. Um, for for instance, um, Football Outsiders, their DVOA rankings in 2021 had the Vikings ranked 13th in the NFL. In 2020, they had them ranked first. Rick Goslin, a longtime NFL writer with uh, the Dallas Morning News, I think, and the Dallas News, and then now he's with Sports Illustrated. He's been ranking NFL special teams for the past 30-some years, I think. And in this year's rankings, he had the Vikings ranked 15th in the NFL, and the year before, he had them ranked 31st. So the Vikings did improve significantly. The Vikings did improve significantly uh, with special teams going from one of the dregs of the league to one of the best, uh, to at least middle of the pack. Uh, so big improvement there. The uh, And a big reason for that improvement was in the kickoff return game. And oh, Ken I thought you were going to say DePaulo, being, you know, yeah. rock-solid <laughs> long snapper. Obviously, yeah. that's got to be it. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, he was an important cog in the special teams wheel. But uh, Kenny Wongwu... Wang Chung, as we like to call him at the Gallhorn Facebook site, uh, that was a big reason for the the improvement because although he didn't start the year, he had injuries with the hyperextended knee. When he did get to play, he ended up turning out to be a fantastic kickoff returner. Uh, two kickoff returns for touchdown, as uh, Vikings fans would know, and he was a threat to take it to the house every time he touched the ball. And even the times, even when he didn't take it to the house, he, he had plenty of good returns that set up the Vikings for a uh, good field position beyond the 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he so he is back next year and if he stays healthy even uh, he is going again to be a nightmare for opposing special team units to deal with mm-hmm. and uh probably he's looking like even now he's supplanted Cordero Patterson as the best kickoff returner in the NFL and so he's a huge when he gets the hand, his hands on the ball he is a huge field position tilter for the Minnesota Vikings and glad to have him yes uh, so that was a. So I'm he was curious a big, big, how much big. he's going to be incorporated in the new offense, not hey. just kick returners, but the new offense. Because yeah. I think one of the slams we had on last year's offense was, "Why aren't you getting Nwangu the ball?" Because you get yeah. him in space. Yeah, you got Cookers. Get Cookers his time, but get Cookers his rest every once in a while. Then you put in, you know, Madison, and Madison runs it up the middle, does his bang bang stuff. Okay, that's fine. But get Wangu in there in space and watch him go. And I hope to see a little bit more of that. I do believe that we keep him as a kick returner. He said he wants to be the best kickoff returner in NFL, in the NFL, if not in NFL history. Dude, I'm going to do everything for you if I'm a coach to make sure that you achieve your goal. So, yes, by all means, we've got a kick returner. What about punts? You mean who's returning punts? Who's returning punts? Yeah, Barry's obviously. Nobody, nobody knows. Well, could it be this? Yeah, that. Amir Smith Marset. Yes, it could be. Uh, I'm sure he'll get a shot at it because, again, uh, one of his big assets is speed. He's a very fast dude, and uh, he uh, and also as a wide receiver, not likely he's going to get. We could be wrong, and uh, maybe injuries, hopefully not, will force the issue. But he's probably looking at being your number four uh, receiver, receiver this year on the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Not going to get a, a ton of snaps uh, on, in the offense. So he's an asset that if he proves to have a good handle on the punt return, you can put him at, as a punt returner, and uh, you don't have to be worried that you're that if he gets hurt doing that, that you're – you're you're ruin you're you know you're losing a key offensive weapon, uh, whereas the only really right now the only person on the on the unit that has a lot of kick uh, punt returner experience, assuming D.D. Westbrook is not coming back, and I think that's a pretty much a hundred percent assumption. Yeah. There's no interest; yeah. he's not coming back. Yeah. So you know, K.J. Osborne is the only one really that on the roster <laughs> who's had a lot of interest, and now he's Dottie, a pretty viable number. Probably a pretty valuable number three guy in our offense. So I don't think you want him returning punts unless you absolutely have to. So Emir Smith Marset could be the guy. Or I wanted the Vikings to go after Jakeem Grant. I thought that, uh, but the Browns signed him and they signed him to a fairly, I thought, expensive three year deal. So mm-hmm. uh, he would have been a dynamic punt return turner for us, would have given us Wang Chung and Grant as the punt off kickoff return duo, would have been awesome for the Vikings special teams, but didn't happen. Um, so Amir Smith Marset, I think he's definitely in the mix. He, you will see him get a shot at it in, uh, in uh, preseason for sure and during the organized team activities. Uh, but that's still a hole that we do not have fi- uh, filled. Uh, two holes that have been filled and were filled by re- uh, resigning in free agency was getting Greg Joseph back as our place kicker 
and Jordan Berry back as our punt uh, punter. And uh, so not only are the Vikings running it back on offense and defense, but they're running it back on special teams too, uh, the kicking positions. And those moves I am okay uh, with. I think mm-hmm. they're defensible to resign both. Uh, Joseph has got the big leg, uh, mm-hmm. can hit he, those 50-plus yarders. And plus, I think he led the league in uh, through the end zone kickoffs, which is an important thing for teams that want to use that strategy. So, is it? You know, he's got the big leg. He's eighty percent of his kickoffs last year were were touchbacks. Um, but um, yeah, he, he I, I think he brought some stability to the Vikings' place kicking after the Dan Bailey experience the past two years. Unfortunately, he did miss four extra points, and that's way too many, and he's got to clean that up. But, again, uh, for a yeah, guy who isn't – coach. Yeah, for a guy who doesn't, doesn't cost you very much, has definitely got the big leg, and he, and he made 33 out of his 38 kicks last year. Uh, we won't mention the big one that he missed, but <laughs> I guess I am mentioning it. But, but anyway, uh, there's, a, there's really – Again, I, I'm I'm fine with them bringing him back. Jordan Berry, another guy. Uh, I think he was 19th in gross punting average, but he was eighth in punts pinned, uh, pinning uh, opponents inside the 20 on his punt. So uh, some okay, and then some pretty good for him. I thought he was solid as our as our first year punter, mm-hmm. and again, not costing us much. Brings us stability. Okay with bringing him back. I guess the only thing with both of those guys is that I'm hoping in 2022 the Vikings don't depend on them as much um uh, joseph's hopefully field goals were <laughs> hopefully yeah, it's that just was for fifth. extra points you get yeah. DePaulo snapping barry holding joseph kicking that's it one point leave the field <laughs> you know yeah. joseph come back out from kickoff hopefully that's true. yeah we don't we don't want to kick a 33 field goals last year was um was the fifth most in the NFL made. Uh, so we want to be scoring touchdowns when we get in scoring mm-hmm. position, not kicking field goals. We did too much of that in 2021. And we punted way too much in 2021, considering the offensive weapons that we have. So I want to see less of Joseph and Barry on the field in 2022. And I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that for, for, <laughs> you know, uh, with uh, the new offensive-minded coach and Kevin O'Connell and the new staff. Uh, punt return kickoff for return coverage. Uh, that was solid. Uh, obviously a bad hiccup at a bad time in the LA Rams game when we gave up that punt return mm-hmm. TD to Powell, just as we were getting back into the game. I don't think we would have won it anyway, but that certainly didn't help. But, um, you know, uh, you're looking at the special teams unit. We got, uh, one thing that was a bit of a surprise to me was the fact that, uh, we, the O'Connell had no interest in bringing back Ryan Ficken. A guy who, in his one year as special teams coordinator, turned Improved a terrible unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now he's off to San Diego to turn that horrible special teams unit. His job is going to be the same. Uh, take a, 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 te- a special teams unit that was ranked 31st in the NFL last year and try to get him to respectability. Uh, the Vikings decided, O'Connell decided to bring in Matt Daniels. He's the new special team coordinator. And uh, it worked under John uh, Fossil, Bones mm-hmm. Fossil, one of the, probably the best special teams coordinator there is in the NFL. And it really, the, the Daniels' job is going to be take a, a fifth, you know, a, a middle of the pack unit and get them in the top ten, uh, and make them you know tenth mm-hmm. best, sixth best, fifth best in, in the NFL. Right. That is going to be his job. Can he do it? 
Uh, very good question. He's never been a special teams coordinator before. Uh, and I've talked about special teams on the show in the past of how one year you could have a great special teams unit. The next year it could be crappy. There's always a lot of variability, but uh, Daniel's job is going to be not regress. Make sure this unit does not regress that it actually there's progress because as we see every week in the NFL, special teams doesn't get talked about a lot, but it can cost you games. Ask the Green Bay Packers. Or it can <laughs> win you games. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, yes, Both. it can. So be interested to see what Daniels can bring out of this team. He's young, he's enthusiastic. Uh, again, one of these guys talked a lot about uh, being a, a, a player's coach. Hey, let's see, Matt. You've got some pretty uh, solid talent uh, to work with on this unit, particularly with the best kickoff returner in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what you can. Let's see what you can do with it. I agree. I agree. I think. I think we're good. I think. I think the punt returner will probably go to a rookie, like somebody on here has already said. Uh, look for that in the draft that they look for. Yep. A wide receiver, running back, defensive back, somebody that has that talent that could do punt returns as well. Punt returns is a little different than kickoff returns uh, because punt returns, you're you're watching the ball. It's coming in, moving. Yes, i got to catch it. i got to move over. And then you're glimpsing down just at the last second to where's my holes as a guy's coming in your face at the same time. Kick returners have more time. Get the ball. They're seeing what's going on. I expect our draft, it could be ISM, it could be a rookie, it probably will be a rookie, somebody to trying to make the team. I think that should go well. We'll see. Let's let's make that Drew, new squad, a top yep. 10 special team squad. Drew did point out that ISM didn't return any punts at Iowa. Sw- um, yeah, but I could have swore he returned some last year. I, I think he did in preseason as well. Or maybe I'm imagining. I, that. I want to say it was regular season, but um, and he did well. I, I I'm going to have to look it up. I will look it up and probably post it sometime to see if he did or didn't. Uh, but I do remember him returning, whether it was kickoff returns or punt returns. I thought it was punt returns, and then he he did well. So we'll see. That's it for today. We got our next show next Saturday. We are, and I'm pretty sure I do remember the ISM returning kickoffs in preseason. Okay, because at that point, yeah, because we know I, Wang Chung got hurt the very first kickoff return, right, and then he was not seen seen again until like week week nine or of the NFL. Right? So they had to find somebody else to do it. Um, uh-huh. Ended up being Amir Abdullah, but uh, anyway, that's another story for another day, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yes, next week we're back to Saturdays. No more of this Sunday stuff. <laughs> but well, there was reason for this Sunday stuff today. Um, yes, those that know me knew I had a very, very bad week. I've had uh, two loved ones die within forty-eight hours this week, and it's been rough for me. Um, that is what it is. It happens. It's life. Uh, Devil Dog, I am assuming you are a Marine, so I will say uh, simplify to you. And if I had any crayons, I'd offer you the red one because I know it's the your favorite. Um, says the retired Air Force Master Sergeant. 
So, um, I do want to promote, however, shows this week on Climbing the Pocket, our favorite network. Um, Monday, we have The Real Forno Show, where Tyler is going to take you as part of your official draft prep up into the draft at the end of the month. This first week, he has um, Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports to uh, break everything down. He will go from there. Uh, I have his list. He has people scheduled all four weeks leading up to the draft. Names you know. One of them is Thor Nystrom of ESPN Edge. She's got Blue Chip Scouting coming on and a few others. Tuesday, we have In the Huddle, where Jason and the boys will get together and talk whatever they feel like talking about. I'm sure it's related to the same and what we're doing going into the draft. Wednesday, we have Vikings Happy Hour. This week, we will not be in Lake Monster Brewing. We're going to be back at the Hacienda, and we're going to be doing a show from there in preparation for our big draft show extravaganza all Three days, live, wire-to-wire. Climb in the Pocket is here for you. Uh, Vikings hot take on Thursday. If there's anything that comes up that Flip and Eric deem worthy of hot takes, they'll be on. And then, of course, Darren and I back on Saturday. Any last words, everybody? We are now into April, David. Draft season, so really stoked. There'll be lots of mock drafts now going on, and lots of I think things will get a bit clearer as the weeks go on as to who the Viking targets might be. But again, uh, looking for obvious, you know, Captain Obvious here, but cornerbacks looking like I'm almost considering it a lock right now that we take a corner when we pick in the first round at this point. But I should also point out that I'm usually wrong and who I think the Vikings are going to, what position the Vikings are going to target at in the first round. So, but seen a lot of mocks with cornerbacks in it lately. And I agree with that. It looks, I mean, just like last year, much the same. It looks exactly what we need. We need cornerbacks. That's, that's, it's almost not debatable. I would take an edge as well, but it seems like we're on rerun, but we'll see. Yep. New leadership, new style. Let's let's make it work. Maybe they'll take a tight end. I don't know. Who knows? Eh? <laughs> we need a tight end, but I don't think it's going to be a yeah. out one. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. What do we say? We say Skull Vikings around here. Woo! And the ones that are gone, love you. And uh, Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.